At some point, you start to realize that you need to have like this kind of food break. And actually, to be quite frank, I never kind of felt that as much as in the last few months, simply because of the COVID. And I know that in the year, that's been quite hard. And having a baby doesn't help as well because you basically add a time kind of split. I was used to have like, you know, let's say 80% of my 70% maybe, to be decent, of my time on slides. Hello there and welcome to Mental Health at Work, the podcast where company leaders and employees reveal the mental health stories that shape them and their workplaces. This week, my speaking to Christophe Pasquier, co-founder and CEO of Slight, about whether happiness can truly be part of the job for CEOs and how managers can approach tough conversations and feedback. This podcast was brought to you by Oliva proper mental health care for the whole team. So thank you so much for joining. I'm super excited to have you at Mental Health at Work podcast. Why don't you start like briefing a bit who you are, what you do? Yeah, well, I'm Chris. I'm the founder and CEO of a company called Slight. Slight is uh, actually a documentation tool for teams. And more and more, we help through everything we do, remote teams to uh, work asynchronously. So we, we give them a home for all their information to leave, be retrievable so that they don't have to nudge and do meetings to, to work together. The company is four, a bit more than four years old, and we are a small team of 35, split in, uh, I don't know, 10-ish countries. And yeah, you know, we're in this kind of uh, phase where we, we're able to serve like thousands of you know, like, uh, customers around the world and have a lot of love for what we do. So yeah, it's a nice uh, place to be. It's super exciting, the, the whole journey and all the success that the company is having. It's, it's amazing. I'm imagining that behind all that, there is also like a lot of stress and, and things that are not so smooth. So how was it for you, this whole journey of investors and raising money and hiring people and the responsibility of having a company? On one end, I'm very happy about what we did and where we are. On the other, it's never enough. And that's the tricky bit of uh, this kind of adventures. Like we literally are in a market where you have like four or five top players. Mm-hmm. So it is, it is stressful because you have like uh, constantly big competition. The thing that is tricky is that all the success that we've had, it's almost impossible to fully appreciate them at the moment. That sounds tricky. almost like the pressure of having like big competitors or the pressure of the world and the startup, how fast everything goes, doesn't allow you to enjoy the success because you're always thinking what's next, what else we need to do? Like almost like making it big, like it's never enough. I think, I think it's, uh, if you think about a hike, you go for a hike and you spend like seven hours in the mountain and you know, you sweat and so on. It's hard, but you see beautiful landscapes. You arrive uh, at the chalet at the end of the day and you take a, I don't know, beer or whatever. Is the happy moment the end or is the happy moment <laughs> the journey? I never had like this moment where I was like, oh, okay, you know, like uh, I'm satisfied. Mm. I think it's impossible, but I really, really loved the four years. <laughs> we, we had like, uh, you know, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully uh, Elsa will keep doing it. But, you know, like uh, I'm very, very proud of the product that we build. And most importantly, I uh, one crucial part of our philosophy with slides. Like I'm really, really happy and proud of the people we are working with. We try to maximize our onboarding and our kind of first months with everyone and our hiring process, obviously. 
to have people stay with us for five, ten years and not two years or three years. Mm-hmm. Because we know how much it's tough to reach a point where you're really happy about working with people and where you kind of say the hard things and got the hard feedback yourself. Yeah. So all these things makes that we are 35 people that I'm super proud about. <laughs> it's uh, you, you never like uh, it's hard to take a moment, step back, and say, "Well, you know, this is good." Like it's never enough. Yeah, yeah, it, it makes sense. Like being in a moment, present, and yeah. almost like acknowledging and being thankful for what you guys have. Yeah, I think you you are like saying it well. Like you know, I'm I'm thankful, but you can't be. That's one of the tricky bit I find of uh, the CEO job is that if things go bad, it's your fault. If things go well, it's a shared responsibility from the team. Yeah. It's like, it's easy for you to be the the accountable one when things go wrong. But if there is a success, yeah. it sounds like it's difficult for you to say, well, yeah, thanks to me, we are where I mean, we it, are. It, yeah, it's not your place to to be, right? What do I you think, mean? Well, on one end, first, uh, you need to be grateful for the team because literally you are like getting more benefits long term or whatever. So, you know, like whatever benefits you get, like you don't get to celebrate them as much as the people that actually achieved that and were a bit less uh, self-involved. So I think that's a big thing. And the second is that you can't ever be fully satisfied. You know, we, we can't say, okay, let's stagnate in this situation for for years and years, right? Like it's, I think it will spoil all the fun. So that's this constant tension that makes it uh, complex. It sounds almost like it's binary. Like if you enjoy and if you're happy and if you are like proud and you are like, in part, the success is thanks to me. It's like that would be a blocker to continue. So it's almost like, no, I don't contact with this happiness. So I can push and continue growing. Hopefully I think the happiness is the thing that is diffused, right? Like it's Mm. happiness comes in the long run. Mm -hmm. But the instant satisfaction... Indeed, like you don't have that. Mm. I mean, you have that for really like kind of your top achievement. Like I close somebody that I absolutely love and I know that they, she will bring so much to the team. I can have like this kind of uh, five minutes of, yes, I did it, you know. Yeah. Uh, but you don't get it for kind of the team success. Like that's not yours. I, I, I feel, I mean, that's my instant re- instinctive reaction to these things. I hear you and it makes me a bit sad to hear that, that you can't almost like connect with the responsibility of the good things as well, because actually you had something to do there as well, right? It's not that you don't appreciate it, but it's it's just that uh, it's, I think it's not, an, uh, I mean, it would be interesting to hear actually about other CEOs, but I think it's not an emotion of a CEO, mm-hmm. simply because if you were to do that, you would just, you know, get lazy. Like that's uh, as simple as that. It's not even uh, something that you willingly do. It's yeah. more a resultant of like companies that go far. Mm-hmm. You continuously challenge yourself. So mm-hmm. you can't be in this kind of state of like, let's wait and, and pause for a long time and just appreciate what we just did. So how is being a CEO, having all this responsibility, all this pressure and stress as well, how do you manage your relationships? Now it has been four years and something that we've launched light. It starts to be long. Like at some point you start to realize that you need to have like this kind of full break. And mm-hmm. actually, to be quite frank, I never kind of felt that as much as in the last few months simply because of the COVID. And I know that in the year it has been quite hard and having a baby doesn't help as well because you basically add a time kind of split. I was used to have like, you know, let's say 80% of my 70% maybe 
<laughs> yeah. to be decent of my time on slides. Uh, 20% with my wife and 10% for myself and friends and, you know, like this kind of thing. And with a baby, like it changes dramatically. You basically have no, like the, the 10% like disappear, like straight away. That is, I think, quite out. Like launching a company with or without a family is quite different. Obviously, it was not the best year for all of us. How did all this impacted also in, in slide? Like, did you have any experience with mental health ex struggles? We definitely had like one of the hard year for the, the whole team. Like I was speaking with a friend recently that was not used to remote at all. Mm -hmm. And I think there were 19 employees. And after a year, like they had four chance. And I can't imagine how much it is. Like, you know, like uh, basically a fourth of your team that just leaves and says, like, I'm not happy. Must feel very, very, very bad. And we had like one person that we would have loved to keep that left because she was not happy and so on after two months. Um, the remote setup and so on like didn't work and the relationship with the manager didn't work I could feel that this was a product of the situation mm. we would have fixed it if we had like managed to even meet once with this person in real life so I mean it, it affected us no, nobody like burned out or whatever but we definitely like put a lot of care into warning the team about it reminding everybody this is not normal we have been used to remote for years so we know what it takes and this is not remote like oh this is not remote as usual like the biggest thing that changes is that we never met we have like uh now three people i think that we that passed the one year anniversary at slide mm. that we never met in real life and that's i mean that's crazy and i'm very very grateful and happy that they managed to build a relationship but i mean it's so much easier when you meet as i say just once just w meeting once for like two three days with somebody Yeah, it, it it makes the relationship building like so much easier. Yeah, it it is like an exceptional way of working remotely with a lot of challenges yeah. and personal struggles and many things in the combo that makes remote work extra difficult. Um, I hear that you you made a lot of effort to protect like emotional health and and mental health. So how do you do that? At like apart from from COVID and everything in general, how do you promote a healthy environment and health at work? I think it's part of the culture of the nature of communication that we do to the team very often. Mm -hmm. So you know, I, I think it's diffused in many practices that we have. Specifically for this kind of example of you know reminding the team this is not normal. You should be putting care on yourself. Take days off because everybody couldn't travel, so taking days off was kind of a weird move to do yeah and we kind of like pushed in one once and we had like this uh management manager's suggestion of you know like you have x person that never took a holidays in the last six months you probably should kind of encourage them so we did this kind of things like kind of nudge to to just you know disconnect we had like uh, our people team so vida and kesa that run a form of motivation workshop just trying to understand getting a pulse of you know in this situation, but also around the strategy and things that are totally disconnected to COVID. How do you feel? You know, what's motivates you to work every day and so on? Like, is this the right, right role? So things a bit more high level. Mm -hmm. uh, that was really cool. And I think we'll do it every, every year, just having like one kind of like spike of information. And then, I mean, like in terms of like more kind of rituals that we have, I encourage everybody to do one once purely related to not work um, every two weeks for your kind of direct peers. Mm -hmm. uh, I still do it every month for most developers. So for the people that I don't work with uh, every day. And now I do something where uh, we are a bit too many. So I have like a form of office over for the one that I kind of already built a relationship with and they, they know they have this slot where they can book me anytime. Yeah. This, when you bring the right questions and when you really ask tough ones, Yeah. you know, like, uh, do you feel happy at work? Something as blunt as that. 
is already like giving you a lot of insight. Do you think someone will tell you, nope, I'm not happy? Well, it has happened. <laughs> it happened. Yeah, yeah, of course. But it happens because I try to be very genuine in the way I interact with them. Uh, and because since the beginning, we had these moments with most of them. So I guess you have a very close relationship with people because not everyone in every company would have like a yeah. like a coffee with a CEO and say like, are you happy at work? Well, actually, now that you mentioned, I'm not uh, really. Yeah. So how, how do you make sure that you build this relationship with your people? I mean, I, I don't think I've like nailed it with everyone. One thing that really works every time that I dare to do it, sometimes I just go to one-one and I just, it, it's a moment for the person yeah. to ask me questions on strategy, to bring ideas and so on. And it's generally the person that prepares the, the meeting. And mm -hmm. I don't know, I don't have like the, the mental space to think about it and so on. So I just arrive and if we have nothing, we stop it uh, fast and we just chat. So that's the easy and kind of not uncomfortable at all. Yeah. And then there are these times where I kind of like, I usually do it all at once, uh, where I just bring like one very tough question. And it can be something as simple as just, you know, if you have to rate your experience at Slide today, your happiness at work, or to open your laptop every day on a zero to 10 scale, what would it be? And, you know, you can't have easy answer, right? So you will have something. Like if it's a seven, it's bad, right? You have some material to dig in. Like you have some questions to ask and some kind of like things to explore. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if it's nine, like that's great. And you can just uh, pick a coffee or whatever. But, you know, like uh, I think it's as simple as that. Just daring to ask questions that are like really uncomfortable and that can actually raise problems that would not have like uh, surfaced mm -hmm. elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And I think most people, and I'm the first being like that, don't dare to do it because they feel that it makes the problem real. Yeah. And obviously, it's, it's not the, pro the thing that makes the problem real. but it would have kind of waited for two more, more months and be worse. I was thinking you, you were mentioning one-on-ones and um, I was curious if managers have the tools or you believe everyone has the tools to have conversations maybe that are a bit uncomfortable with their teams? The answer is uh, no. And I think it's incredibly hard to teach every leader to do so. Mm -hmm. uh, like I, I don't feel like amazing at I, I know that I've handled a few situations like that it's never easy I think that it was easier because I had put the time before and of building the relationship so you know feeling comfortable to say these things in the first place is probably the first way to fix it so to answer your question in terms of initiative we do have put something in place thanks to Vida or other people last year that was like really beneficial we started so we doubled the team and we started to have more and more managers and we had like somebody as I said that left the team two months in and that we would have like to keep and that showed issues in management as well that we didn't really we just expected people to be managers. And I mm -hmm. think that's a very, very wrong idea. And so we had a coach that came for all the managers and, and did like five, six sessions with them. And for some teams that try to understand, you know, like what's the kind of like default behaviors, default psychological profiles of everybody and how do they interact, how to maximize their interaction. That was really, really a big plus. And I think we'll keep doing it for and every new manager at Slide. One of the hardest things that I've been through in terms of management at Slide is being facing with somebody that is toxic or somebody that, you know, doesn't work well and so on. And nobody else raises the issue. Hmm. So, you know, you have somebody that is in a team of five people. I'm from the outside and feeling this is not right. Like something is off here and so on, but nobody says so. And I think that's, that's a big lesson to me. Like even in the most candid environments that you can hope, or maybe actually in the most candid environment that you can hope 
peers don't dare to give feedback. How do you think that could change to make a safer environment for people to feel comfortable? I don't think it's about making a safe environment. It's about building safe relationship between the peer and the other peer. Mm-hmm. And that's widely different. Like you can create whatever environment you want. You are not forcing two people to have, uh, you know, like uh, the right discussion. So, you know, I don't know. I'm a, the last child. I have three siblings. I love the spirit of our family, right? Like I think my parents did something very, very well. Uh, we were educated to forgive and to kind of like, you know, think positively and so on. But at some point in the family history, you see two siblings that just, you know, get frustrated and you can have like the best environment that you want. At some point, it's just two human beings that have their relationship, their story, and you can't force it, right? So to me, that's, that's the challenge. It's kind of like you can make the best possible but you can't fix it uh, for everybody and, and uh, forcing people to give feedback. Like we, we do do it in one-one uh, where if people kind of bring kind of challenges with the team and we try to, to, to ask questions, ask questions and understand that this comes maybe from, you know, relationship with someone, we, we just try to nudge and to ask questions to direct, direct with that. And when it comes to, well, this happened and this like made me feel blah, 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 like whatever feedback indirectly because it's not formulated to the person happens we do it like uh, very very often we just add them we formulate and, and ask if, if they will, if they want to share it directly with the person right mm-hmm. but I, i've never found like better way to do it if you have tips uh, i'm, I'm taking well for me i think it's more framing it like not challenging someone or not linking the feedback to who you are but how you do it and more seeing it as a gift more than a, like it's almost like i'm giving you information on how to become better worker and it's not better person because how you work doesn't define yourself so it's almost like preaching this into a level that you embody it and you lead by example so if you are at the beginning will be rough but if you are not like making it normal normalizing giving feedback and yeah the beginning will be strange and difficult and but then you will get used to it i mean it's it's interesting because to me this is and this is good advice right like this is I don't know if you saw, well, you probably saw the kind of whole splash with Basecamp. Yeah. It's really interesting. Like I, I find this, uh, this topic like fascinating, but without going too much in details, like just one part that was actually not at all the most criticized part was they said, like, we won't do uh, peer review anymore. Like, you know, performance review are just manager manager and not peer review. And the reason for that we explained in the, the article is it never yields to interesting feedback. Mm-hmm. We do we do a peer review in slide with the document. So we have uh, a document that is shared with each peer plus the manager that kind of like uh, consolidates all the feedback into one thing. And it's the, the, the person that is reviewed that actually asks one one to the peers and ask like specific questions to them. The results are, are always interesting. Having the peer feedback is always like giving meat to the type of feedback, but there is something right into what, um, even if like, you know, we can criticize everything around politics and so on in this specific part, I think there is something that, and I don't think it's a good mood to remove the peers at all, but at least I agree with the problem. It's really hard to have like solid, useful feedback from a peer to another. Like nobody wants to put themselves at risk so much. Like, you know, like it's, it's really tough to, to give like valuable stuff. Like you are literally like putting yourself in danger. Yeah. So why? I, I think right? you nailed it with putting yourself in danger, right? I think it's it's that because you, you like naturally we are like more defensive to these things. Yeah. I don't know. I, I really like, for example, within my team, 
uh, when I manage my team, I like to ask either my managers or my peers to give me feedback in front of the team, especially uh, improvement feedback. So it's more normal and it's not like hitting back doors. And so we do it in that, like I, I, you, like if you were part of my team or you were my manager, I would say like, please give me this feedback in front of my team so they yeah. can see that it's actually, it's in natural. In front of your team. Yeah. Yeah. I, I like to, to expose that. So I can say, I can even say, well, I can feel myself defensive a bit now, right now, but yeah, let me come back to you. And it's like showing that it's fine to have you know, emotions and being reactive, but the good thing is acknowledging it, taking your time. So it's understanding how to detach yeah. from that because it's not talking about yourself as a person. Are you in a relationship? Yes. Tell me if you share this. Like I, uh, so I'm, I'm with my wife for, I've been, we've been with my wife for like eight years. I don't give feedback to her the way I could. Like I definitely like, I mean, I have like, for instance, feedback on her professional life mm -hmm. where many times she went, well, like she's today in a great position, but I did felt that she was not going in the right jobs a couple of times. Mm -hmm. And I had like very clear reasons for, for which I believe it was like, basically she was not uh, excited about the opportunity. She was just like relieved to have a job <laughs> and you know, that's never like a good sign. Right. Yeah. And I never managed to give her feedback the same way as I would have given feedback to my team simply because I didn't, I mean, it's my wife, right? Like it's literally the person that will make me happy as well, like indirectly and that I want to make happy and that I love the most. And it feels like if you're more emotionally invested in that person, it's more difficult for you to have a difficult conversation on feedback. Like the stake is bigger. I, I think it's, yeah, I think there is exactly like, When, when you say emotionally invested, I think it's kind of like you are affected by the way they take it. If you are giving a feedback to somebody that is, especially as a CEO, like you are in this kind of relationship where nobody will badly react to what you say. I mean, it's kind of tricky, but it's right. Like a very few people, even as a manager in general, right? Like you kind of like have this kind of like two ways establishments of like who gets to say things, which is maybe stupid. Huh? It's not like I'm not more stating fact than saying what it should be. In a relationship, it's like, you know, like you are like in a, I mean, love relationship, like it's literally like you are like on the same level. Yeah. So, so if she <laughs> takes it like badly, yeah, you are impacted, right? Like you. Well, I I'm a bit of a weirdo and I think my, my boyfriend, he's, he's the same. And yeah. so, so we do retrospectives as a what? couple. Yeah. <laughs> so we are a bit cuckoo, I know. But I, I think it, that, that works at work, right? So we both work in tech companies and that actually works. So yeah, yeah. you learn from things. So every six months we sit and we talk about things we like about our relationship, things that we should stop doing, start doing. And then we build from that because it's is like... It Like, Sorry? is it like in the... the we have post-its. So? We are very freak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have post-its. We have everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, what we love the most is each other and our relationship. And in order to build on that and protect it, we want to... And that that's the basis, right? It works for mm. us because we both believe if we are so convinced that that works in our work, why wouldn't we use it in our personal life as well? To that's very interesting. Protect... Cool. But yeah, I, I know that this is like very weirdo thing. No, no, no. <laughs> I, mean, uh, I mean, to be honest, like it's interesting. Like we uh, we got married like a few years ago, and and you know, like getting married, like whatever, like you kind of believe. So this kind of things out to me is more like an occasion to think about, you know, like commitments. And uh, 
we had this kind of sessions where we try to kind of lay down like what we expected from life basically together yeah. right so big big discussions that you often skip in some way yeah and it was really really great it's just that you know making it formal like we like we never managed to just say well now every six months we'll do like this kind of tour session with a version and this template to fill in before and all <laughs> like this felt this will feel a bit crazy yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i know i know it's crazy but yeah then it works for us so it's yeah it's no but good. that's that's amazing <laughs> nice well chris thank you so much for your time it was lovely talking to you and sharing ideas and yeah i really appreciate it thanks a lot mate bye bye Mental Health at Work is hosted by Maita Otero, produced by myself, Simon Dumont, in collaboration with Aptus Audio, and brought to you by Olivo. Proper mental health care for the whole team. Thanks to Chris for showing us what it's like in the mind of a CEO, and for reminding us that our partners don't always want to hear our feedback. For remote teams looking for a better way to work asynchronously, try Slight. If you're into the podcast and you want to support us, you can like or subscribe to Mental Health at Work wherever you listen to podcasts or leave us a review on Apple Music, preferably a positive one. Thanks for listening and see you next time.